with your host, Pat Zucrin. Pat is a popular teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Each week, Pat and his friends provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ. This week, we will continue on with part two of a message Pat Zucrin brought to us entitled, Is Jesus the Only Way? from our recent Hawaii Apologetics Conference. Each year, Pat hosts this conference, which features some of the premier Christian scholars and apologists from around the nation. Our theme was Evidence of Life Beyond the Grave and featured noted Christian scholars, Dr. Gary Habermas and Dr. Ron Rhodes. Now here's Pat with the conclusion to this study. First, when it comes to the nature of God, atheists and atheistic religions say there is no God and no creator. Hindus are pantheists. Hey, they believe God is an impersonal force made up of all things in the universe. God is this cosmic energy made up of everything in the universe. God is not a person. Hey, Brahman is not a person. He's this impersonal force made up of all things in the universe. God is the universe, and the universe is God. Buddhism. God is irrelevant in Buddhism. It's all about the individual attaining enlightenment and a state of nirvana, nothingness. Okay, so God is irrelevant in Buddhism. That's why a lot of systems of Buddhism do not have God. They would be atheists. Muslims. Muslims are Unitarian theists. Okay? They believe that there's one God, Allah is his name. The Trinity, what Christians believe, there's one God revealed in three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is heresy. It is blasphemy, shirk, the unpardonable sin of blasphemy in Islam. Judaism, Judaism, they're also Unitarian theists. Okay? They believe in that there is only one God, and the Trinity okay, is also false teaching. Christianity teaches that there is one personal God, the creator of all things, revealed in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So take a look at that and see, are we saying the same thing? Is there a God or is there not a God? Both can't be right at the same time in the same way. Is God a person? Or is God an impersonal energy or force? Is God one with the universe? Or did, is God separate and is he the creator of the universe? We're not all saying the same thing. Let's take a look when it comes to the nature of man. Atheists say we're simply a material being. There's no immaterial soul or spirit that survives the death of the body. We're simply flesh and chemistry and that's it. Hinduism teaches our true nature because we are one with the cosmic force of the universe. We are ultimately divine and our individuality is simply an illusion. We're actually a drop in the large ocean of the divine. Buddhism. Buddhism teaches that man is basically good but unenlightened. His real problem is not sin. His real problem is ignorance. Islam. Islam does not adhere to the doctrine of original sin. Islam also teaches man is basically good and through his efforts can attain his salvation. Judaism. Judaism 
One of them has various teachings, but one of the most dominant is that man is born a clean slate. Everyone has an inclination for evil as well as good, and they can overcome their evil nature by obedience to the law. Christianity teaches that man is sinful by nature, and we are born in sin, and there's nothing we can do to work our way to salvation and eternal life. So take a look at that. Are we saying all the same thing? Is man divine or is he a created being? Is man just a material being or is there an immaterial soul and spirit that survives the death of the body? Is man born basically good or is he sinful by nature? Hey, we're not all saying the same thing. Let's take a look at the next one. Salvation. Atheists. Well, there's nothing after death, simply annihilation and extinction. Hinduism teaches that we are in an endless cycle of reincarnation, and we can go through this for millions and millions of years until we finally escape that cycle of reincarnation and become absorbed into the one. Buddhism teaches that we are in an endless cycle of rebirth, And deliverance comes from extinguishing all desire by following the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. Islam teaches that worthy Muslims will spend paradise, an Islamic paradise, where they will be drinking out of rivers of wine, being entertained by heavenly maidens whom they can take as their wives, 40 for Outstanding Muslims, 70 for those who have been martyred in holy war. Judaism, there's various teachings regarding Judaism. Some teach a resurrection. Some teach an immortality of the soul. Some simply teach extinction after death. Christianity, Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed for each man and woman to die once, and then comes the judgment. Your eternal destiny is determined by the decision you make for Jesus Christ now. So take a look at that list. Are we all saying the same thing? Are we in an endless cycle of reincarnation, or do we die once, and then comes the judgment? We're not all saying the same thing. Next, salvation. Atheists, really, there's nothing after death, simply extinction and annihilation. Hindus, you're in an endless cycle of reincarnation and you attain ultimate deliverance by devotion to a particular god or enlightenment or through good works but basically through good works buddhists you're delivered from the cycle of rebirth by acknowledging the four noble truths and obeying the eightfold path basically by works islam salvation comes by obedience to the quran Basically good work. Since man is basically good, that's why they reject the death, the atoning death of Christ on the cross, because man by his good effort can attain eternal paradise in Islamic paradise. Judaism, salvation comes by obedience to the law. Basically works. And finally, Christianity. Christianity says because we are sinful by birth, there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. All, we can do, all we're called to do is receive the gift of grace of eternal life given to us 
through God's Son, Jesus Christ. So take a look at that. Are we all saying the same thing? Is salvation by good works? Or is it there is nothing you can do to earn your salvation? All you can do is receive the gift of grace given to us through God's Son, Jesus Christ. We're not all saying the same thing. Finally, what about Jesus Christ? Atheists say he's simply a legendary figure or good teacher. Hinduism says he's one of many holy men. Buddhism teaches he's one of many enlightened ones. Islam says he's a man, a prophet, a great prophet, but simply a man. Judaism says he's a misguided reformer. Christianity says he's the unique, divine son of God. When you look at the fundamentals of all the religions, you realize we are not all saying the same thing. In fact, we are saying mutually exclusive, and we're making contradictory truth claims. We cannot all be right at the same time. Since religions make mutually exclusive and contradictory truth claims, pluralism cannot be true. Philosopher Steve Turner says this, We believe that all religions are basically the same. At least the one we read was, they all believe in love and goodness. They only differ on matters of creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. Christian philosopher Ravi Zacharias says this, Most people think all religions are essentially the same and only superficially different. Just the opposite is true. So we should reject pluralism because logic reasons against it. We should also logic reasons against it. Aristotle's law of non-contradiction. Opposites cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. So logic reasons against it. And also Jesus and the apostles taught against it. There's numerous passages in the Bible where Jesus and the apostles taught there's only one way to eternal life. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. John 14, 6, Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made a very exclusive claim here. He is the unique, divine Son of God, the only one who is qualified to be the perfect atoning sacrifice before a perfect God for our sin. And the apostles also taught that a very narrow view of salvation. Acts 4.12, Peter says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we may be saved. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So logic reasons against pluralism. And Jesus and the apostles taught against pluralism. And Jesus confirmed his claim to be the unique divine son of God, the only one who could be the perfect sacrifice for each one of us through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. Jesus confirmed his claim through his miraculous life, ministry, and resurrection from the dead. 
He's the only one who confirmed his claim to be the resurrection and the life. Since Jesus is the divine son of God, what Jesus taught then is true. And whatever contradicts the teachings of Jesus would be false. Since pluralism contradicts the teachings of Christ, then pluralism would therefore be false. Well, we have a couple tough questions here I'm going to address before we bring this to an end. One of the questions we're always asked is, if Jesus is the only way, then what about those who've never heard the gospel? Now, that's a pretty tough one. Hebrews 9.27 says that it is appointed to each man and woman to die once and then comes the judgment. Hey, there's no second chance after one has died. Well, what about the person who's never heard the gospel? Has he had a chance? Well, Paul addresses that in Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. All men have the witness of what we call general revelation. Creation around us every day points to a creator. Okay, so each day we look and we see that creation points to a creator. That's one way in which God makes his presence and witness known to all men and women around the world. The second one, Romans 2.15, talks about the law of God that's been written upon our hearts through the conscience. So we call that general revelation, the witness of creation and the conscience. All men and women have that witness. So what we see is that when men and women who do not have the gospel or the New Testament there, they still know that there is a God from the creation around them and from the moral law within them. And when they acknowledge general revelation, okay, when someone in the jungles of Africa says, all right, from the creation I see around me and from the moral law upon my, that's, and the conscience that's within me, I know there's a creator. The moral law tells me there's a moral lawgiver. I want to know this creator when they acknowledge general revelation, then God is responsible to get special revelation to them. Okay? And he can do so in many ways. The most popular way now is through the work of missionaries, whether it's through the Internet, radio, or person to person. Men and women acknowledge general revelation. God somehow is going to bring special revelation to them. All right? It's like this. Suppose I give Dr. Ron Rhodes here a check from me. I said, here, Ron, here's a check for a million dollars. Now take this check and go to the bank right next door, and when you present it to the teller, she's going to give you a million dollars, okay? So if Dr. Rhodes here takes my check, believes what I say, takes my check, brings it to the teller at First Hawaiian over there, she sees the check, then she's going to give him the million dollars, Okay, but if he says, oh, I don't believe you, you don't have that kind of money, and he tears up the check and he throws it back in my face, when he goes to the teller there, is she obligated to give him anything? No. Same thing here. When men and women receive or accept general revelation, then God is going to bring special revelation to them. Hey, we see that pattern in the Bible, hey, throughout the New Testament. Acts chapter 8, there was an Ethiopian eunuch riding on a chariot. He was a god fearing man, reading the Old Testament. And here's a man who is looking for God. And what does God do? He sends Philip the evangelist to run up to his chariot, and Philip shares the gospel with him, and the man receives Christ. 
Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is a God-fearing Gentile soldier, a God-fearer. And God sends a dream to him. He says, go to Joppa and get this guy named Peter. Sends a dream to Peter. He says, Romans are coming. Go with them wherever they take you. And God brings special revelation to Cornelius and his family, and they receive the gospel. So that happens. We see that in the New Testament. And we see that in our world today when there's men and women searching for God. God brings special revelation to them. And some of them in quite remarkable ways. Here's a good friend of mine. You can listen to my interview with him at evidenceandanswers.org. Abraham Sarkar. Abraham Sarkar grew up in Bangladesh in a Muslim family, in a Muslim village. His father was the leading imam there in the village. So he never saw a church or talked to Christians or had a Bible. And he really wanted to know God and he'd be faithful to Allah and go to the mosque and pray faithfully. He was really seeking God. And later on, when he was about 17 or 18 years old, he says in his wonderful book here that he was in the mosque praying and saying, Allah, how long I've served you, how I want to know you. Please make yourself known to me. And he says from then on, he started having these disturbing dreams that he was burning in the pit of hell. But through the fire, there's a shadowy figure reaching out to him. But he didn't know who that was. And then uh, he kept having this dream. And so he go back to the mosque. And one day he said, Allah, I want to know you. And I'm not going to leave the mosque until you make yourself known to me. So he prayed from 5 a.m. And he says at 5 p.m., suddenly, he doesn't know how. No one else knows how. He was anointed with this oil. He was just drenched in this sweet perfume and oil. And people were coming into the parking lot saying, where would you get this oil? And he said, well, I don't know. And he said, well, Allah has certainly blessed you. He has something special for you. And he said, you know, Pat, I knew from then on I had a peace. Allah was going to make himself known to me. And he said, I had a dream that night. And he said, I heard a voice talk to me as clearly as I'm talking to you now, Pat. He said, go read a Bible. And he said, I didn't know what a Bible was. Never seen a Bible. Well, he got trained in the Islamic school and flew from Bangladesh to Detroit, Michigan to become a Muslim missionary here in America. And he said one of the first things he did, he walked into the public library there in Detroit and he went up to the librarian and he said, I'm looking for a book. Very hard to find. It's called the Bible. Do you have one? And she kind of laughed at him and said, well, we have a whole stack right there, you know. And he said, oh. And she said, well, I perceive you're not from here. Where are you from? And he said, well, I'm from Bangladesh. She goes, we got one right in, your, right in your language right there. And he said, from there, he read the Bible. And for the first time, he read about Jesus Christ, who he heard about briefly in the Quran. And he finally got to read about Jesus, gave his life to Christ. And now he's a missionary to the Muslims. Has a wonderful ministry called Understand My Muslim People. And we hear stories like that. All over the world. When people accept general revelation, God somehow gets special revelation to them. Well, the final objection I often hear is this. Well, if all my friends and family are in hell, I'd rather be in hell with them than in heaven. Well, that's a tough one, you know. And the best response I can give is this. I'll often look at them and I say, how do you know they're in hell? How do you know? Maybe they responded to Jesus at those final moments. You know, I share the story about my mother. When my grandmother was dying, I read the four spiritual laws in Japanese to my grandmother. And my mother looked at me and she goes, 
no one's going to become a Christian just reading that. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, you got to tell them the whole story. And she walked me from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And I looked at her, I said, you've never told me you had any contact with Christianity. Where did you hear this? She said, oh, after the war, you know, went to go to the YMCA to learn English. And our text was the Bible. I translated the whole thing. So you don't know if they have had contact with the gospel message and if they responded to Christ. Secondly, you know, if they're your true friends, they probably won't want you there. You know, if your friend is suffering from cancer, he's not going to say, hey, smoke a bunch of cigarettes and join me here in this hospital bed. You know, he's going to say, hey, don't make that same mistake I made, all right? You know, in Luke 16, when the rich man was in hell, he desperately pled with Father Abraham. He says, you know, send Lazarus back so that he can warn my brothers not to come to this place. And if they're your true friends, they, they probably wouldn't want you there. They'd want the best for you. And finally, you really can't do anything about the past, can you? But what about the generations to follow? Your children and the generation that will follow them. You can be the one that leads them down the path to eternal, everlasting life with Jesus Christ. You can be the first one to lead your children and the generation to follow in a new direction, the direction of hope and everlasting life life with Christ. Well, Jesus is the only way. There's some serious implications, huh? Those without Christ will suffer an eternal judgment. They'll be forever separated from Christ. We'll never see them again. Therefore, we're all called to participate in world missions. Somehow, whether you're going, you're sharing with your friends, or you're funding and making it possible for those of us uh, to go throughout the world and proclaim the gospel. We all ought to be a part of bringing Christ and fulfilling the Great Commission. And finally, to preach a gospel of pluralism is to preach a false gospel. Let me end with this story. I was in uh, Dallas for many years, and there's one young man I discipled. His name was Ethan, and I discipled him while he was at Southern Methodist University. And when he graduated, he said, Pat, if you're ever in Southern California... Come to Orange County, all right? And we have a place for you. And he said, in my father's huge mansion, we got a room waiting for you. Well, a couple years later, I took him up on his offer, and I was down there in Southern California, and he called him up, and he said, yeah, come on over. So I drove, and it was a new exclusive place there in Orange County. And as I was driving up the hill, I saw all these gated communities and these beautiful, beautiful mansions. And I finally found which section belonged to Ethan and his family, and I pulled in to the gate, and the guard stopped me, and he said, who are you here to see? I said, well, I'm here to see the Kay family, and he said, all right, let me ring him up, and Ethan's father came over the speaker. The security guard said, Mr. Kay, there's a guy named Pat Zucaran here to see you. He goes, Pat Zucaran? I don't know Pat Zucaran. So the guard looked at me and said, hey, he doesn't know you. You need to back out and go home, and I said, I said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me talk to him, and he goes, all right, you got a minute. Okay, it's a very exclusive area. And so I said, Mr. K, I'm Pat Zucran. I'm Ethan's good friend. I was his youth pastor when he was in Dallas. And he said, oh, you're Ethan's pastor? I said, yeah. He said, you know my son? I said, yeah. Then he said, oh, come on in. And so I drove through beautiful, beautiful mansions everywhere. I got to Ethan's house. And his, Ethan wasn't home at that time. His father opened the door, beautiful oak door. 
he opened it up and he said, hey, any friend of my son is always welcome here. And you see, I got to go to Ethan's father's house because I knew the son. And that's the question for us today. Jesus said, in my father's house are many rooms. I go there to prepare a place for you. The only way to the father's house is through his son. And do you know his son? That's the only way to everlasting life and our hope in Jesus is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. I hope you enjoyed listening to one of our messages from this past year's Hawaii Apologetics Conference. Our theme was Evidence of Life Beyond the Grave, and it featured a wonderful lineup of scholars who presented fascinating and inspiring seminars. If you would like a copy of all the seminars from this past year's conference, log on at evidenceandanswers.org, and you can order the entire series. Pat is the director of the Pacific Apologetics Center, a subsidiary ministry of the Bible Institute of Hawaii. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers Radio Show is brought to you by our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions for more than 20 years. To learn more, please visit their website at www.hcmlp.com. Join us again here next week or on the web for more evidence and answers.